Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm here with Andrew O'Hara. Thanks for joining me again, Andrew. Yeah, of course. And we actually have some great and interesting things to talk about that are not the coronavirus. So I'm very excited <laughs> to get to some different <laughs> topics today. For sure. So Apple did something that we kind of predicted doing some press release product announcements. So it was a big day Wednesday as they released and announced their new models of iPad Pro. Some changes coming to iPad OS 13.4 and some other small changes to the MacBook Air and Mini. But I really want to talk about is the iPad Pro. So there's a new iPad Pro out. This is the, the Apple is terming it the second generation 11 inch and 12.9 inch. And the biggest changes now to these new model iPads is the dual camera system with LiDAR, which is a acronym for light detection and ranging system. We'll talk about that in a minute. And also A12Z processor. There's also six gigabytes of RAM in all the models, which is something that's new. And uh, what's really more kind of the big news is the whole trackpad and cursor updates in iPadOS. So I want to say when I saw this come out, I was already telling myself for a long time, I'm just going to get it. Whatever comes out, I'm going to buy it. And because the iPad, again, is what I edit podcasts on and I use it all the time. It's like, I'm just going to do it. So I did early in the morning, like as soon as I saw the announcement, and then later in the afternoon, I was like, wait a minute, let me actually look at the details here. <laughs> so I have the first generation iPad 11 Pro, which is the 2018 version. And, you know, if you do a lot of maybe gaming or you're actually doing some video work and AR, you know, then the new iPad has really got some stuff to offer you, especially the LiDAR thing. And so did you see that video that just came out today about what the LiDAR thing can do? It showed like the hot lava game and all that. Uh, yeah, I, th I saw clips of it actually last night floating around some GIFs that were put out. The hot lava game was pretty cool. That was really neat to see. It was interesting. And I'm sure there's going to be incredible use cases for AR. Now, I've thought to myself, I have never once used the camera on my iPad currently. Just I don't use it that way. You know, I always use my phone. So the LiDAR detection would be great. It might be really useful for scanning documents. Uh, that was one of the features Apple was kind of touting that scanning will uh, be greatly improved. So if you, for some reason, scan a lot of paper documents with your devices, that might be useful to you. But I saw that the Magic Keyboard, and, and we actually had an article that I thought was kind of hilarious, that you know <laughs> Apple releases a Magic Keyboard for iPad that's $350 during a seemingly time of recession and all that. So this Magic Keyboard is one of the, I think is actually one of the big announcements with this new iPad model. It is not available yet. This is coming in May but is a magic keyboard for iPad. And some of the standout features is a scissor switch keyboard. So they're saying that the typing on this is much better. It has a actual trackpad to be used with the iPad. And it's kind of this floating model where the iPad's not kind of sitting on the keyboard like the current uh, folio keyboard case that Apple has, but it kind of can actually float and be adjusted to whatever angle you would like. And there's also a USB-C port on the magic keyboard case that can also charge the iPad when you have it magnetically attached. And it's all magnets. The iPad just sits on the stand and then they have all the trackpad support, which we'll get to in a second. But I saw that this magic keyboard actually works on the old and new model. So you do not need to buy the new iPad to use this magic keyboard. I mean, what about you, Andrew? Do you, is this something that you're excited about? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on the magic keyboard. Yeah. I'm actually very excited about it. I really want it, and as much as it kind of pains me to shell out that much money, I feel like I'm almost going to have to do it. 
Um, really? I do a I do a ton of typing on my iPad, and I do use the Folio right now. I like just right. how slim it is. It's not. I love the bridge, but I don't like that it's metal, and I hate throwing it in my bag where I have expensive gear, um, whether it's a computer, cameras, anything like that. So I like that the Folio is is softer as well as protective. So I've always used that, but the fabric keys on mine occasionally like. I don't know if it just has warped over so much use, but sometimes like the command key will be like held down or something and it'll like buttons will get held down and I'm like, stop it. And I have to kind of smack it or rub all the keys to get it to go back to normal. So Weird. when I saw these were a normal scissor switch, scissor mechanism again, I was very yeah. excited for that over the fabric. Um, the second USB-C port is huge. Because a lot of times I'm editing, if I'm editing video or photos, I want to do it on an external drive, especially with the new external drive support in 13. But I have to use a hub if I want to charge my iPad at the same time. Right. So that was always just just an obnoxious thing. So now I can just plug in the power cable to the back where the magic keyboard is and then plug in a drive onto the right hand side and I can edit without issue. And I think that the, I mean, we'll get to the cursor stuff in a little bit, but I don't want to have to carry a mouse around. I don't. I'm, it's just annoying yeah. to me to have to do that. But the cursor support is ridiculously good. Um, we'll go into that again in, in just a few, but I really like it so far. And I think it's going to be just amazing for being able to edit videos and edit text so much more accurately without having to go, you know, right now from the keyboard to touch the screen all the time. I think that just can be so much more natural uh, for mm. those specific tasks. And I like that it just comes off so easily compared to other keyboard cases that are out there. So I like that I can keep my iPad slim when I wanted to right. just pop it right off. That is one thing with the current folio keyboard case. I use it as well with my 11 inch iPad. Sometimes I find that it just kind of pops off randomly just in how I'm handling the iPad or whatever, and it can it come undone. So now, I'd love to see those magnets be a little stronger. You know, there's always been this question of, can someone use and only have an iPad as their main device? You know, you especially think of, you know, people who don't have a lot of power computing needs. You know, I think of my parents or, you know, people of that age that, you know, they're doing email, they're doing web browsing and all that. The iPad is increasingly become the, a good option to be the only device, but it was still annoying to not have that kind of direct pointer control that accuracy and yeah a lot of the keyboards were kind of mediocre so this i think does put it more in the realm of this could be your only computing device if you have just kind of the average computer needs uh, for the average person now again just to be clear you can get this magic keyboard case and use it with the 2018 models of ipad 11 inch and 12.9 inch so do you, Andrew, feel like you also want to get the new iPad or are you thinking maybe just get the Magic Keyboard case? So I'm, I am going to upgrade. I did order it and I have a okay. couple <laughs> specific reasons here. So first yeah. up, uh, video editing and some of these graphics I'm doing, like 40 some megapixel photo in RAW, the editing definitely require some heavy lifting behind the scenes. So any increase in processing power is going to be helpful. The eight core graphics are going to be helpful. So I do like that there's a, obviously a new processor involved, the A12Z. So I don't know how much faster, how much more performance we're going to get, but that is definitely always going to be good. So that's number one. Two, the storage is going to be nice. This is such a ridiculous thing, but when I originally bought my iPad Pro, I was not necessarily planning on keeping it because I had the previous generation 12.9 inch iPad Pro. And I got the new one and I thought I was just going to try it out for a little bit and I I would see that there's no real difference. And I'm like, oh, frick, this new design is just 
really nice. I loved it. I loved the updated. I loved everything about it. It was so much smaller than the iPad Pro 12.9 before it that I ended up just keeping it. When I bought it, I was a big old dum-dum and bought the 64 gig version. Ooh. And yep, you all already heard video editing and giant raw photo editing. Doing that on a 64 gig iPad (laughs) is a huge problem. I run into it all the time. I've had to delete apps and I'm just over it. So I'm going to have to sell my old one and use that to help pay for the new one. But I'm I'm like, I can't do that anymore. So there's a new one out now. It's been a long time I've been using this one. I think that between... I can easily get more storage. So I am opted for like the 512, I think 512 gigs of storage. I do like the cameras. I actually use them quite a bit around the house, not for taking photos necessarily, but I do use the measure app quite a bit. I do scan Hmm. a lot of documents, um, keeping things as paperless as I can. So I use ScanBot and scan in a lot of stuff that way. So I'm hoping that, you know, that'll be even better with the LiDAR sensors in there. And I think the ultra wide is just going to be uh, kind of nice. We're doing like a lot of remodeling around here. We're building out a new production studio, being able to have like that ultra wide lens and the LIDAR for being able to use the measure app for a lot of quick stuff and sketching and doing all that. I think it's going to be kind of handy. Right. So I, I do think that'll be a, a benefit as well, though not obviously a reason for upgrading on its own. I do find the, the LIDAR for the measure app. I saw something that the measure app will get some updates with this new scanner. And I've tried to use that measure app with my iPhone. And it can be useful, you know, just to kind of get a quick measurement of, of a distance. But I'm curious how much more accurate and easy to use because right now it's a little fiddly, you know, tapping the points and mm-hmm. making sure you get the angle right and tapping a second point. But with the LiDAR, I'd be curious to how much faster and maybe hopefully with less user input, it can just kind of give you measurements of an area. So I'd be interested to see what you experience with that. I will say storage, even with me just dealing with audio files, I have the 256 gigabyte 11 inch. And it is, I have to manage that a little bit, you know, deleting some of the old podcasting files and, you know, seeing what I have in iMovie. But so you're saying you actually do video editing on it? Like are you using Premiere or iMovie or what? No, I've used iMovie before, but I usually use um, uh, Luma Fusion. Is that what it's called? I can't even think of the name for sure off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been using that and it's been great and they now have this is pretty much as close as we're going to get to what i want which is just a final cut export option right so you can export your thing and then move it into final cut to edit on the mac so i really like being able to do that i'm remote i'm shooting remote on something i pull stuff in start editing get going right away and then i can get back to the studio export it out and then move it onto my mac that's a really nice little workflow going between you know mobile and desktop depending on you know, what I need to do. So that's a really kind of a good way to do it, uh, especially with the external storage option now. And now with the new final cut export option, the only thing that would be better is if there was actual final cut on my iPad and I could do it that way. But until then, this is a a good solution. And I have to imagine eventually that will come. And I'll be looking forward to that too. The one thing, the most tempting to me was whenever there's an update is that the processor. And so It was the A12X in the 2018 models, and now it's the A12Z in the brand new one just released. Maybe that processor upgrade would really help gains. You know, it's touting eight cores now of graphics power. Again, me doing mostly audio, I'm not sure if I really use that graphics power. But I thought to myself, iPhone 12, most likely still going to come out sometime in the fall. You know it's going to have an A13. And which is it an A13 now? It's a 13 now, I think. I think the iPhone... 
11s came with the A13. Okay. A13 Bionics, I think, are in the iPhone 11, 11 Pro, yes. 11 Pro Max. Right. Yes, it is. So it's the A13 now. But I have to imagine, so if it comes out with the A14 in the iPhone 12, I have to imagine they're going to bring that to these new iPads shortly after. Maybe it'll be a year from now. But I had to think to myself, I mean, A12X to A12Z, or do I wait since I'm, you know, the Magic Keyboard, you're going to still use my current model. It's mainly graphic gains. I thought maybe I'll hold off and wait till I can get, you know, whatever that next processor is. So unsure. I'd be curious to your experience when you get it, how much faster uh, you experience with the, the new processor. I find with editing in ferrite, editing audio, most of the time it's flawless until I start getting to that like 45 minute mark of editing and it'll start lagging just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this new processor would help it or not, but to me, I mean, to justify 12 to $1,300 just for those few seconds of lag, I couldn't do it right now. Let's talk about the trackpad support. So the Apple announced that iPad OS 13.4 will be released March 24th, which is this coming Tuesday. Mm -hmm. It's going to bring this trackpad support to all iPad Pros and also maybe updating iWork that day, but iCloud folder sharing should be coming soon. I imagine it will hopefully coincide with this iPadOS 13.4 release and iOS 13.4 for iPhone next week. So this again is coming to current model iPad Pros as well. And the trackpad stuff has gotten so much news. You know, if you follow Federico Vitici and those guys over at Mac Stories, they talk about this stuff all the time and how they're, you know, can't wait for actual trackpad support. I thought it was interesting. Craig Federighi actually released a video. Well, Apple released a video. Craig Federighi is explaining how you can use the new trackpad features in iPadOS. And I think it's the first time we've seen a video like this where we have like a senior vice president in an Apple office in Apple Park kind of showing you a how-to video. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was kind of cool. Also framed in 60 frames per second and it felt a little weird. I don't know. (laughs) I was curious your thoughts on that being our video editor. Funny enough, I actually released our own this morning that goes into a little bit more detail than past what Federighi went into. Just put it out this morning using Magic Mouse, Magic Trackpad with your iPad, going into settings, checking battery life. There's a lot of really cool stuff here. And pre- there's hot corners now in the update, so you can just go into corners uh-huh. to go to your home screen and stuff. Like it's, it feels so full featured. I know um, a couple people were talking about on Twitter what it would like to have like a desktop iPad. Right. And just being able, I mean, we're almost at that point now where you can dock this thing, have all your accessories plugged in, wireless peripherals, storage, you know, multitasking, multi if you had a larger display, being able to have like three apps in split view, or finally, what I, this is the first thing I tested once we got once I put in the 13.4 update, was using multiple displays, connecting an external display and seeing if you could move your mouse between the displays. It does not right. work. It does not oh. work. I keep hoping for it, especially on apps that can extend like iMovie where you can edit on one preview on the other. I was really hoping we'd see a little bit more there. Maybe iPad OS 14 this summer, but we'll have to kind of hold off on that. As far as what we do have so far, I really, really like it. It is so smooth and natural feeling. It's, it's not like a normal cursor other than it's round. It's very contextual. So whether you're going on text, it turns into a vertical bar to very, right. you know, specifically edit text there or going over buttons and it'll just like snap to it and morph. And it just looks really cool. It feels really nice. I know some people don't like this snapping to the buttons. I've seen some people complain about it. I liked it. I thought that was a really nice little touch. There is a lot to learn. 
So if you haven't checked out mine or Federighi's video, they people should do that. I mean, accessing your dock from within apps or accessing your slide over apps using the multi-touch gestures on a trackpad. There's a lot of little things, accessing control center. Uh, all of those things are small little nuances that you kind of have to get used to because you're not different than on your computer. I mean, you're kind of moving right. your mouse to the side and like pushing it to pull over apps and things like that. It's a little bit different. Uh, it should take a small learning curve, but it feels very natural overall. You know, kudos to you. I'm going to link to all the videos in show notes, but you had three videos in the last 22 hours. <laughs> the uh, Everything new on the 2020 iPad Pro, what's new on the 2020 MacBook Air, and the latest video, like you said, how to use a Bluetooth mouse or trackpad on iPad. So go to the show notes, definitely check out those videos. You did a great job on those. How did you, how did you feel about how Apple's video looked though with that 60 frames per second. I don't know. That was just an odd choice to be honest. Like I was just confused. Like, I don't know. I, I, it almost looked like smooth motion was on. Yeah. I always shoot in 24. Well, sometimes I shoot higher, but then, you know, exported at 24. Um, yeah, yeah. A little more cinematic. I, I don't know. I hate the smooth motion stuff. Uh, just really was an odd choice. Like, yeah. Yeah. It feels like someone just left it on or something by accident. No one thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll check out those videos. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. I'll be curious to use it. So you can pair any magic mouse or magic trackpad, at least, you know, the newest generations. With the iPad, is that correct? They all work? Yeah, it's uh, Magic Mouse, Magic Mouse 2, Magic Trackpad, Magic Trackpad 2, and I think it's other Bluetooth accessories as well. They just may not have the gestures and stuff built in, but I think other Bluetooth peripherals will work just like any you know Bluetooth keyboards will work. I'm curious if companies like Bridge and Logitech will be able to make some of these for the new iPad Pro. And I'd be curious if they're Bluetooth style. You know, Do you have to pair a trackpad and keyboard separately? You know, even if Logitech or Bridge sell it as one case, will it have to be two devices that are synced or will Apple allow just kind of you to sync the Bridge keyboard case as one thing and it works with both keyboard and trackpad? I'd be curious how that's actually going to work. Did you have any experience with that kind of thing? No, not not yet. Um, that's a good question for sure because I don't know how that's going to work. If you're using like a the smart connector, that's one thing, but going actual Bluetooth is completely different and we are logitech already released some right like yesterday they already threw some out there that work with other ipads right just right. ipad right the regular um, ipad not yeah. the ipad pros so you'll be still be able if you don't want to if you don't have an ipad pro and you don't want to spend that much on the magic keyboard you have those other options available already from logitech bridge has already you know announced theirs theirs do connect separately as two separate devices the keyboard and the trackpad and they're also selling uh, a standalone trackpad that you can use mm. uh, with iPad. They've already announced that before this cursor support is official. So that's going to, I'm sure, be great for them. Uh, it's going to make it a lot smoother because I tested it out at CES and it was a little laggy at times, which is just Bluetooth in general. It's not their fault. And I think the way that they've actually implemented this, it should be a lot smoother and as well as a lot of new features, many more features than what uh, Bridge was already planning. So I'm looking, I'm at Bridge's website and they say that there's the new Bridge Pro Plus with trackpad mm -hmm. and it is $230 for the 12.9 inch, 200 bucks for the 11 inch. So that's a full hundred dollars cheaper than Apple's option. What did you think about that price point, by the way, of the Magic Keyboard? <sighs> a little prohibitive, to be honest. I mean... <laughs> You know, $200 like Bridge is selling seems like reasonable. But, I mean, I get it. It's, it's a backlit 
scissor keyboard with a trackpad, plus this magnetic floating deal and the USB-C port. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're getting it and going to use it as a dock, like on your home office, that would kind of be interesting. You know, obviously it's made to be portable, but it'd also be kind of nice if you could just take your iPad with you on the go. And then when you get home, you just put it on the dock. Yeah. Maybe you have a USB-C hub already connected to the Magic Keyboard case and you have a bunch of devices there. You know, that'd be interesting, but it it does seem like an Apple price point. Like it seems pretty expensive, especially $350 for the 12.9 inch, especially when the folios were like 130, 150. I don't know. I'm sure a ton of people are going to buy them anyways, but it is a little niche, you know. I know I, on one hand, I think it's what, 179? Is that what the 12.9 inch iPad key, smart keyboard folio goes for? I yes. thought it was like 179. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm looking at that compared to this, it obviously has to be more expensive. And like you said, you're, we're adding backlit keys, scissor switch mechanism, trackpad, the USB-C hub, or more or less a hub, an extra port there on the back, uh, requires no battery to charge, connects over a smart connector, and you have the uh, the floating part is, I don't care that it floats, but I like that it's infinitely adjustable to whatever yeah. angle that I want. That was my problem right. before, is like the, the two angles that you had were kind of obnoxious. Like they weren't necessarily what I needed all the time. So being able to move it so much more freely is going to be really nice. So uh, yeah. you add all of those, like, okay, is that worth the $170 difference? I go back and forth between like, okay, that is a lot of stuff that you're getting over that. So I can see why it's going to be a lot more. Right. Also, like you said, an Apple price point, they're not looking to make necessarily the one that everyone's going to buy, the mass market option. They're looking for, this is the flagship one. This is what it should do. This is like the top of the line option. There are budget options out there. You can use any Bluetooth mouse and keyboard that you want if you'd prefer to do that. But this is what we think a keyboard should be. It's got a stupid price with it, but this is what we think it should be. So I kind of yeah. think that's like where they're going. So I kind of understand it from that, Mark. It's still expensive and it it almost like hurts like, oh, no, not only do I have to buy nice. an iPad because I need more power and more storage, but it also, oh, Wi-Fi 6, by the way. I'm happy for that. That's yeah. a big thing. Oh, too. yeah. I was just gonna say I got the Velop AX routers here and I, I keep them pretty limited to only like a few devices and Right now, it's mainly my iPhones. They're the only Wi-Fi 6 devices around. And I did notice significant speed improvements uh, going between the two networks on just Wi-Fi AC and Wi-Fi 6. So it will be nice when I have that for my iPads as well. Yeah, and it has the ultra-wideband chip now. And so curious how that will play into the AirTags or whatever tracking device it um, says. Yeah, it's not even touted anywhere. Apple doesn't even acknowledge it. It was found in right. the 13.4 GM code. Like, right. I thought that was odd because they they literally are like bragging about it on the iPhone of you can use this fancy new chip for directional airdropping and the iPad will have this exact same features and yet they don't even list it on the tech specs. Right. It's one thing to not list it on the, these are the new features. It's another thing to leave it out and omit it from the tech specs entirely. So let's be clear. If you, if you wanted to max out a 12.9 inch 2020 iPad Pro with one terabyte of storage, and Apple Care, and get the new Magic Keyboard case and an Apple Pencil. If you're going all the way, you can spend two thousand one hundred twenty-eight dollars on your new iPad. This is like MacBook Pro territory. It is just just to be clear. It's <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> which I would love it. I would love all of that, but it is definitely um, geared towards that market of people that actually want this kind of device. So I was curious before we move on before of the trackpad stuff. Did you? 
manage or try to pair like a magic keyboard and magic mouse separately to an iPad Pro? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that works totally fine then. Uh, I had magic mouse, magic keyboard, magic trackpad all connected together. Happy as can be. All right. So I imagine this bridge keyboard, even if it has to do like two separate devices, quote unquote, it'll probably work. But yeah, 200 bucks for that Bridge Pro Plus. We'll put a link in show notes to that too if you want to check it out. Um, Honestly, I got to say the Apple one looks nicer <laughs> but i'm sure this bridge it one does i love the bridge so don't take don't say yeah don't yeah no that's great take it as a bad thing but i don't like i like i said the metal design sometimes bothers me just tossing it in my bag yeah. with especially lenses or anything else i've got going on and then two it doesn't offer any protection on the back of the ipad and the fact that the hinges stick out so much kind of just bothers me yeah i know a lot of people like them i really like using them i'm gonna have one in the studio in a few weeks whole coronavirus thing is making things you know questionable on timelines but i'll be testing it very soon and i'll let you guys know how it works with the new uh trackpad update and everything now this does look like it might have something on the back of the ipad for this new pro model it looks like there's some kind of i don't know what it is you know like a a flap or something that's stiff that actually will go behind the iPad. So hmm. it might be, yeah, I'm looking at the video on Bridges website right now. And it, it, I don't know if they sell a separate, they do sell a separate magnetic back cover for the iPad. Oh, uh, that's so that could be what you're looking okay. at. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Okay. Anyway, but it is very like utilitarian looking and you don't get that infinite. Well, you would get infinite adjustment on here, just not height. You know, it seems with that new Apple's magic keyboard case, you can, you know, adjust height and angle. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're using your iPad all the time, it, it might be a nice, nice addition. So, which I very much do. yeah. <laughs> anyway, also really looking forward to that iCloud folder sharing if that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. To finally, the emoji characters are coming with the iOS uh-huh. 13.4 and iPad OS 13.4 update. Go. We've got CarPlay enhancements, um, like third-party navigation and calls will now show up on the new dashboard view. So that'll be nice if you use a lot of third-party stuff, not the Apple phone and not Apple's Maps inside of CarPlay. So that'll be nice. a nice enhancement to see. Um, a bunch of other nice small little stuff. Uh, make sure everyone, yeah. if it, we're ha- we'll have a video when that launches covering all the new features so everyone can see them. Nice. Check that out. Just subscribe to our Apple Insider YouTube channel. I'll put a link there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And check out all of it. Andrew does a great job on those. So you also had videos, and we'll touch on this quickly. Apple also refreshed the Mac Mini and MacBook Air. The Mac Mini is a pretty minor update. Basically, you can just, same price, starts at $799, but they doubled the base model storage. So you get 256 gigabytes instead of 128 at that $800 model, which is a nice bump, but not much else changed with the Mac Mini. And then the MacBook Air actually had some more noticeable changes. Uh, They have a new quad-core option with i7, and I think they lowered the price point now, so it actually starts at $999. Am I correct there? Yep, it dropped down a hundred bucks. Yeah. Education pricing for students, teachers, also a hundred dollars less than that. So eight ninety nine is the new entry level point for students and teachers too. Yeah, and it also bumps up that low end storage. So it starts with two fifty six, like the new Mac Mini, not just one twenty eight. Which thank goodness, because one twenty eight in today's is world ridiculous. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not much of anything. And it also has the new scissor keyboard, just like the MacBook Pro sixteen inch that released a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Magic keyboard. Yes, the Magic Keyboard. Yeah, they're dubbing that now. Uh So honestly, this MacBook Air, I think, has now become a great option for many people. You know, and actually, it's kind of an interesting choice between the new iPad Pro with Magic (laughs) Keyboard and the new MacBook Air Uh with, quote unquote, Magic Keyboard also. 
They seem to both have good keyboards, and it's really just kind of a question of you want macOS or do you want iOS? And do you want two port, two USB-C ports or one? Which, of course, on the MacBook Air, they're actually Thunderbolt 3 ports. So it's a little different there if you have those use cases. But yeah, good updates to the MacBook Air. I saw two quick questions uh, coming up a lot in the video comments. So first one was that they're now starting with an i3 instead of an i5 processor. So some people were kind of dinged on that. Right. Two different things about that is one, you can still get the i5. It's $100 more, which brings it to the same price tag and you can get the i5 processor if you want, but they are the 10th generation architecture. So the chips in general are going to be better than the previous one. So even though it's an i3, you're still going to see gains, you know, hopefully in performance. We'll have to confirm once we get it in the studio here. They at least did update the chipsets in general to the 10th generation Intel series. So th there should be improvements there. But the one thing that I want to rake Apple all over the coals for oh is no Wi-Fi 6 here. They didn't. Oh, yeah. I, d I don't understand why they're doing things like, oh, iPad Pro gets it. iPhone 11 gets it. All of them. And yet. Why are they not putting that chipset into their laptops? I know people aren't necessarily jumping to Wi-Fi 6 now, but if they're doing it in the next year, you know how they're going to want to keep this MacBook Air for several years. So the fact that they don't put that in there on a new product right now is just kind of frustrating. So maybe we could also do this little segment. What should people buy? And we didn't really prepare for this, but curious now, you know, should people go new iPad Pro, Magic Keyboard, or new MacBook Air, and who should upgrade? And I'll speak to the iPad segment just for a moment. You know, if you are like Andrew and you actually want to do a lot of video editing and photo editing, especially on your iPad Pro, if you have anything older than the 2018 model, I think now is definitely the time to upgrade. You know, if you have the older Touch ID models, so there's no Face ID on the iPad and you didn't upgrade in the 2018, now is a great time for these new iPad Pros. They have, it'd be a huge bump in performance and just in the overall usefulness with the new generation Apple Pencil, the magnetic, as opposed to the, the uh, lightning one. So if you have those kinds of needs and you have an iPad older than that 2018 model, I think now's a great time to upgrade. If you have that 2018 model like myself and don't do a lot of video editing or photo editing, I think that 2018 model is still good for a little while, especially if you want to try that magic keyboard with trackpad, you can still do it. So I would you know, that's up in the air. It depends how much you use it and how heavy is your use in video and photo. Now on the laptop side, and I'd love to hear Andrew, your thoughts on all of this in a moment. On the laptop side, if those keyboards bother you as much as it does many people, and you know, I, this is very split. Some people just cannot stand the butterfly mechanism and just, just, you know, if you have something from 2017, 2016 or earlier, and you hate that keyboard, this MacBook Air is a great choice. You know, I'm always in favor of, you know, get the i5 at least, maybe i7, especially if this is your main device. Uh, but if you already have a desktop or an iMac and you're just kind of looking for that portable, I think this MacBook Air is a great choice. Even if you're just going to do very light video editing and photo editing, get one with the i7. And this could be a good option for you as your portable machine. And I think for college students heading into that 2021 year, well, who knows how much online learning <laughs> there will be as opposed to in-person learning in the near future. But I think a souped-up MacBook Air, this 2020 model, might be a good option, especially for that college-age student. There is a, there's a lot of now comparisons and stuff to do. Like, one, should you upgrade to the new Air or should you upgrade to the new iPad? And then it's like, okay, if I'm going to, should you pick one over the other? There are so many different routes to go through. And I swear I'm not trying just to tout future content endlessly. But we have all these compare. Like, I'm working on 
on literally all of these in text and video form. So there'll be a lot more in-depth kind of analysis on which way different people should go. But in general, I think the iPad right now is phenomenal. I think they've done so much in the last few years in making it more productivity based. We just got, this is a random point update. Like this is just in the midst of 13 and we have this huge update with the iCloud folder sharing. We have the new cursor and wireless peripheral support. This is crazy. And we're about to get iPadOS 14 in just, you know, a few months, you know, beta is only a couple months away and then full release this fall. It is such a capable product at this point. I think for a lot of people, the iPad is where it's at. I think it's a great device Mm -hmm. because you can do so much more in some ways you can do much more on it than you can on uh, the MacBook Air. I think a lot of people are going to use it for gaming and messaging and everything else. And it makes so much more sense than having to have a computer. Mm. I think a lot of people will be happy with it. If you have that 2018 iPad Pro, you likely don't need to upgrade, especially until we see what those processor gains are. If you're already pushing it, we'll have to see how that actually plays out. But I think that's kind of a, if you're with that 2018 Pro like you are, I think that's kind of a cool spot to be in because you know you're not buying a new one and you're like, oh, well, I'm not buying a new one. So $300 on that magic keyboard isn't as huge of a drop compared to buying a whole new one plus the magic keyboard. So right. I'm kind of a little bit envious that you only have to spend $300 if you want to upgrade <laughs> to that magic keyboard versus me right. buying everything new again. So that's not right. a, that's a decent spot to be in as well. Um, between the two, I think people, a lot of people will be happy with going with the iPad. Um, if you want just the more traditional experience or you want a laptop for specific reasons, you want additional ports on there, uh, you don't have to worry about the touch interface and all that, and you want to run specific apps and everything, the MacBook Air, that is a great upgrade for dropping the price $100, faster, better keyboard, more storage options now. That is a good upgrade. So I'm very happy yeah. with that. I've been pushing a lot of people towards the Airs instead of the pros, because a lot of people just don't need it. I mean, they're so capable now. It's more than enough power for day-to-day tasks, unless you're specifically doing something that you're you're running into bumps like video editing or higher-end photo editing. That MacBook Air, it's a great device to to pick up. Now, I will say, you know, you talk about processor power. (laughs) The new iPad Pro will probably feel much faster than the MacBook Air in many regards. And so, I'm, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking these ARM Macs that have been rumored, even possibly by the end of 2020, now I'm almost hesitant to say, you know, this new MacBook Air looks great. It might be even better, this exact model with an ARM chip from Apple, just performance-wise. Then you don't have to think about i3, i5, i7, and all that. So as you were saying it, you know, maybe really consider the new <laughs> iPad Pro just, just for the performance gains. And if the Files app in iOS 13.4 is greatly improved, less buggy, and does the folder sharing well, then yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to justify the MacBook Air, especially with all the USB-C docks. You know, I have the uh, Hyper USB-C docks for both my MacBook Pro and iPad. Those are great. You know, you can get your HDMI, double USB-C ports, regular USB-C SD card slots, all in like one kind of dock device. And the iPad Pro can have just as many connectors as a MacBook Air. You're going to have to get dongles either way. So, you know, it's not it's not like there's some huge benefit to having two USB-Cs as opposed to one. Something to think about. Yeah, I'm glad you made it so much easier by throwing in the fact there's possibly ARM-based Macs <laughs> coming in the future. So thank you for simplifying <laughs> it for everyone. Honestly, I mean, 
it's 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 tough because I I'm really looking forward to this ARM switch. You know, I do think especially the MacBook Air line is going to be greatly improved by having an Apple chip inside. You know, whatever growing pains come from software and compatibilities at first and you know having to virtualize certain things. I don't know. I still think performance and battery life gains are going to be a big deal. And again, because that's the huge benefit on the iPad. Like, think about the battery life on the iPads now is incredible. Like, oh, it's great. Never have to worry about. Yeah, even if I forget to charge it, you know, and I look at that battery symbol and it's like at a half or a little less, I'm never worried about making it through the day. Nope. I know it'll be fine. Any Mac, MacBook Air, especially, and even I have the 16-inch MacBook Pro now, if that battery is at half at the beginning of the day, like, all right, well, I'm going to have to sit near a socket somewhere because it's not going to make it. So just that benefit, especially if you're on the go, you're commuting, and you're going to be using it in different meetings on the go, man, that iPad battery life alone, and which I think is going to come when ARM comes to the Mac. I think you might have that same feeling for a MacBook Air running ARM. So We'll have to see. We'll have to see. That does kind of complicate things. But if you can hold off on buying a laptop specifically, you if might you're looking want to. at iPads, then you're fine. Then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, iPads great. This yeah. is new iPad iPad OS 14 coming down the line. I think there's gonna be a lot of big improvements there. So if you're looking at iPads, this is still an easy decision. Right. Going with the newer iPads. If you're looking yeah, at the Max, it makes it a little bit more complicated. We don't know what the timelines are gonna look like <laughs> or what the transition is gonna look like. So that's that's a little bit up in the air, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think the battery. I looking at just around that thousand dollar price point between editing on a MacBook Air and, and on an iPad. I would rather edit video on an iPad or even photos on the iPad any day. Yeah. Battery life and performance are going to be better now with trackpad and mouse support. It's just bonkers. It's going to be so much better. All right, this is the last thing I'll say with buying recommendations. But if you only had a thousand dollars to spend and no more, I would one hundred percent get the new iPad. I think you have way more computing Agreed. and portability and useful case to do that. If you have $2,000 to spend on a device, and again, I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be your only computing device. You don't have an iMac. You don't have another desktop computer. You're finding a device that you're going to use for every single thing. And you have $2,000 to spend. Then I would even consider the MacBook Air at this point, just because there's going to be a time where there might be some use case that you really need a Mac OS to do something, whether it's a piece of software for your work, something, I would then consider going with that MacBook Air over the iPad. But that's I consider it. Those use cases are, are they're hard to predict. Right. But if it's your only computing device, it's hard to give up the fact that you can lay in bed or on the couch or something and, and use the iPad. It's so much easier to read on. I'd much rather read on an iPad than on a Mac. Like trying to lay on a couch with like a Mac or something sideways. I don't know. If it's my only computing device, I'm going iPad. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we have to talk about WWDC 2020. This is something from late last week, right after William and I recorded. This was released on Friday where Apple made this announcement. But as we were saying, and as a lot of people were predicting, WWDC 2020 is online only. And so Apple has this splash page that they put up. Honestly, not a ton of details from Apple. They just said coming this summer sometime in June, no specific date even set, but that it will be an all online experience, that there's going to be sessions and there will be a keynote uh, just like normal live streamed. But you know, we'll see what quote unquote normal is if they're just going to pack the Steve Jobs Theater with Apple employees or are they going to abide by the t- 10 person rule if that thing is still around by then? Who knows? It might be just one person on stage 
Maybe it's Craig Federici in his office like the uh, trackpad video was. Uh, who knows? But it will be an all-online experience. It will be interesting for sure to see how they do it differently. Um, I, you know, I don't think a big stage with no audience is going to play well. So curious how they do that, how they present it in the keynote, you know, what the dates will be, try to spin it in a positive way and say, you know, millions of developers from around the world will be able to interact and have community in this 2020 WWDC experience. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. But uh, as we predicted, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm really just kind of curious how it plays out. It was really interesting. It almost seemed rush on Apple's part to announce it. Like they were under no pressure to announce anything. Like there were no previous dates already set. So people didn't have, you know, plane tickets booked or anything. And yet they seemed to push it out without any real information other than it is online and that is and they, they announced that they're going to be putting a lot of money into the community for the money that's going to be lost by not having the conference right. i've gone to a few WWDCs, and i i am a little disappointed because a lot of it is talking to people talking to the engineers talking to developers there's a lot of meetups around the city <clears throat> you know and after hours so there's a lot right. of stuff about the conference that's going to be lost going to online and i'm curious at you know we're doing this this year how is next year going to play out are they going to do it again online next year i mean that's got to be a cost savings for apple not having to do all that but they do lose out on a lot of the hands-on stuff or are they going to do a combination next year and and do more online combined with the in-person stuff because they've kind of outgrown the in-person thing in general like the tickets are always unavailable so right i'm interested to see how it kind of evolves yeah, I'd be curious to know, and, and this is something that it would be curious with businesses all over, how this working remotely, working from home, how they conduct meetings at businesses, how it will change going forward. There are going to be a lot of companies that realize, oh, this meeting could have been an email or it could have been a Zoom call. <laughs> and uh, so, it'd be, yeah, I'd be curious how they do it in the future. Their splash page, which is still up and unchanged since last Friday, it does feel a little slapped together. You know, sometimes Apple can be quirky in their graphic design and how they're theming it, but this does seem a little off the cuff for sure. Obviously, they they planned it. You know, it wasn't just like that morning they decided to do this, but definitely a lack of details. And the only expectation people had was, you know, usually WWDC tickets went on sale this time, March. So, yeah. you know, to Friday, March 20th, you know, that would have been kind of when everything happened. So that was the only expectation people had. But like you said, there was there was no actual deadline. It was just kind of that unspoken expectation for them announcing it. So we'll be curious to see. Again, no dates. Just sometime in June, WWDC uh, will be happening all online. And so I don't want to spend a ton talking about the C word, as you would say. You can get <laughs> You can get that news everywhere else. But a couple things that are interesting... We had an article that went up Thursday talking about some free apps and things to do from home during the uh, you know social distancing, and so I'll link to that in show notes. And also Conan O'Brien, you know he's the uh, American comedian. He has a show on TBS. He's actually going to produce his new shows next week with an iPhone, and so you know really limiting the production team and who's actually involved. So he's going to be filming them on iPhone and delivering them that way. That was kind of interesting. We'll be curious how that uh, goes, and also. All Apple stores here in America are closed. No physical Apple retail locations are open and available. And, you know, I didn't think that was that uh, big of a deal. But then, this is a side note, when everything started happening, I, I started using my iPhone with no case because I wanted the ability to clean it <laughs> often. 
and wipe it down. And then I thought to myself, you know, I have Apple Care, and usually it would be like, you know, a two-day process. I can go in and get a new one. But uh, now that's not the case. I'm not sure if I drop my phone or if you need to do Apple Care. I don't know if they will ship something to you and you ship yours back. I imagine they would have some kind of system like that, but not as easy as just making a Genius Bar appointment for the next day and going in and getting a replacement. So having the retail stores closed, uh, you know, might impact you, especially if you need some Apple Care support, which you did last week. And this was going to be kind of a big part of today's show, uh, but with all the news that came out with iPad Pro, kind of got knocked down. But uh, I don't know, maybe if you could just kind of briefly tell us, you had some experience with your Mac Pro, and uh, maybe you could tell us what exactly went wrong and kind of where the status is now. We'll, we'll keep everything short. Everyone go read about it and get all the details. But essentially, the, there seems to be some quirkiness and issues getting the Mac Pro serviced through Apple tech support channels uh, for the time being. It People don't seem to be able to communicate correctly about it. There are special teams involved and things get very fuzzy very fast. So we just had a basic issue with uh, connectivity stuff, not really talking to the Bluetooth peripherals and other problems like that. So we started off with like the normal trying to go through a chat route, which is always free. You have a question, just chat with them through messages. Cool, done. Um, except for the chat person, I don't know, trained to talk about the Mac Pro. So she had to get me to a phone call. So she uh, sets up a phone call. They call me. The person who calls is, again, not the person on the Mac Pro team and can't help me. So they have to set up a call back when the Mac Pro team is in the office, which was like in uh, 15 minutes. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I, I we hang up. I'm waiting for a call back. Just after the hour, they call me back. It's the same guy. He actually could not set up a call with the Mac Pro team because he doesn't work directly with them. So he couldn't even set a call back. So he had to stay with the ticket for 15, 20 minutes until they were online and he could transfer me manually. So just another weird process there. So I talked to the Mac Pro team. He, again, even though he's on the Mac Pro team, he still seemed kind of unsure on, on how the Mac Pro operated and where things were, he starts like telling me to do things halfway through. He's like, you know what? This sounds way too complicated for a consumer to do. Don't do this. And like stopped halfway through, which is again, just odd. Like he's reading through this script of what to do without seemingly all the training necessary. And then it, it got elevated to going into the genius bar. I take it in. The first tech is like the you know, pre, you know, the actual tech and he's get, just getting some basic information from you. He's trying to find the serial number and he couldn't find it on the machine. He didn't know where to look. And he's like, well, we'll just get it once we turn it on and, you know, wandered off again. Then the actual tech, the actual genius came out and their basic power cable is the, the normal white one that would just go to other, um, just a standard, like, um, I can't think of what they call it, like a, uh, kettle cord or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, she tried to connect it and it wasn't supplying enough power to the Mac pro. So she unplugged it. And then she tried to turn the Mac Pro on with just a USB-C power brick from a, a MacBook Pro. Mm, that's weird. I know. I'm like, uh, even to the point of like, just you should know that a MacBook power cable is not going to turn on this giant tower. And she was just overall confused. So they didn't have the proper Mac Pro power cables in their stores to be able to service this and then trying to turn it on with just a USB-C cable. Fortunately, I did have one in my bag when I realized what she was trying to do. She wasn't really talking during the process. So like we're just talking about other stuff and she's just plugging stuff in and looking confused. Eventually when she plugged in the USB-C cable, I was like, um, I, I do have my cable I brought with me. They always try to use theirs just to kind of rule out any cable issues or whatever. But 
Right. It just seemed like a mess. It just did not seem like they were prepared to handle the basic things. This isn't like, it's not even about the issue that we were having. It's just the process in general, not knowing you can't transfer people. The people who you get in touch with can't talk to you about the Mac Pro. The correct people about the Mac Pro don't know how to troubleshoot correctly. And then when you get into the stores, they don't know where serial numbers are. They don't know how to turn it on. So many issues kind of just seemed apparent throughout the process. So what is the status now? Is it repaired, fixed, still having issues or what's going on? Yeah. So it's still a little bit in the midst, especially with support kind of closed down in the stores for now. Um, we do have it back. We're still seeing some issues. We did some restores. They did a lot of more testing and sent some stuff over to the engineering when it was uh, checked in to the Apple store. So we're still kind of waiting on some processes throughout that. It seems a little bit better. We never got a firm answer on kind of what's in general going on. Well, yeah, it's unfortunate and weird, especially for a brand new piece of hardware like that. I know that the audience is niche, so it's not like it's very, you know, going to be widespread. It's not like every, you know, average person is walking in toting a giant Mac Pro. For the, the times that it does happen, the support doesn't seem to be, the process does not seem to be there yet. Right. Keep us updated on that. Uh, we'd like to know how that saga ends with Mac Pro, especially <laughs> with all the videos you'll probably be doing. In the next few weeks, especially. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. So if anyone's interested in any of this new stuff, just keep your eyes out. We'll be doing at least a video a day for the next week or two for sure. Awesome. Well, I'll let you get to it. So if you have questions, listeners, or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can find Andrew and mine Twitter handles in the show notes. You can also email us there and comment on the post as it goes up. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that or questions that we can answer here on the podcast. We'll do that. Check out the videos that Andrew has produced. There's links to those in show notes as well as the Apple Insider YouTube channel. And if you could give us a five-star rating and comment in Apple Podcasts or on iTunes or on the podcast app on your Mac, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>